everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deep Blue Holder. That's my very own podcast where I, your host, Larry Holder, talk to you about different things in the, the scuba diving industry. I know this is a little bit different than what we started the shows with for the last uh, couple episodes. Uh, however, things are changing and I think it's changing for the better. Now, let me explain what those changes are. Initially, my plan for the short term involved simply interviewing different persons in the dive industry and dive adjacent industries that I would say influenced me in various ways. Oops, sorry about that little shake there. Um, but I'm going to be making a little bit of a change because I've decided to take the series beyond that and actually take it a little bit more seriously, invest some more time and resources into it as uh, something that I use as a, as a creative channel for expression. So what I will be doing is continuing to interview different persons in the industry. But in addition to that, I intend to bring you different bits of news from the industry as well. Uh, so whether it be new uh, products on the market, or uh, maybe my experiences with new products, and who knows, it could also include um, uh, developments in the industry in terms of our uh, new restrictions and so on. You know, um, different things as they happen. In fact, I do have one bit of news I want to talk about um, as we get started on today's little episode. And I'm just going to pull it up. Um, ideally, I should have had it here right away, uh, but I did not. So this is um, from uh, an organization called Scuba Works. And I'm just going to read uh, what they posted on their social media. Um, we have made the decision to temporarily change our nitrox premix to 32%. Right now, there is a major shortage of oxygen in Florida and the supply chain is struggling. Diving is a luxury and breathing is a necessity. We are lucky to still have oxygen available for our dive family. So we are going to do our very our best to keep everyone diving nitrox with the understanding that our supply could change at any time. Our thoughts are with those struggling right now and their families. We will try to do our part to lessen the strain on our supply chain while maintaining a quality product for you all. We will not be filling over 32% until the shortage has eased. Thank you for your understanding at this time. Please see Yvette directly with any concerns regarding this change. And it's signed off by Yvette and Noah. Now, uh, to explain what that is about, um, as many of you will no doubt be aware, we are currently going through a bit of a pandemic. Well, not a bit of a pandemic. We are going through a pandemic. And one of the best ways, in fact, possibly the only um, uh, clinically uh, proven way to treat with um, patients, um, and don't quote me on that, I'm not a doctor, but what we always hear is that you have to put persons on oxygen, like just give them a steady supply of oxygen when they get into the hospitals with, um, due to COVID-19. And that same oxygen that they use in, the same suppliers that provide oxygen to the hospitals also happen to be the persons that would supply different um, dive shops and uh, tour operators and so on. So uh, this particular shop has taken um, uh, what they definitely see as a responsible approach to 
not do anything beyond 32% for their nitrox mixes for their customers. Uh, some persons may be a little upset about this. Some persons will be quite understanding. For me personally, and other members in my uh, particular diet group share the same opinion. Maybe it's best to just stop the nitrox for now, just for a bit. Um, you know, uh, yes, I think the 32% is a step in the right direction, but I would say stop it altogether, uh, just because I think it's more important right now to ensure that our healthcare professionals and our hospitals are given all the tools that they need to treat with uh, cases of COVID-19. Um, now, for those of you who are following my podcast and may not have um, a, a full understanding as to what nitrox is, it's basically um, what we call uh, enhanced uh, air mixes uh, when scuba diver, when we, we dive. Uh, basically, when you use regular air, like just the normal air, which would be CO2, nitrogen, and oxygen, and you use that, it, um, you have a certain amount of time you can spend at different depths. And there are different ways to extend the amount of time you stay at depth. Um, number one is consuming less gas. However, if you're able to consume and control your gas use to a certain point, great, you, your body still has a limit based on you know um, uh, nitrogen absorption and so on uh, within the body. Um, and this is something we will go into in much more detail in one of the future episodes. So uh, don't worry, we, we will get to that. I'm just giving you a quick overhead. Um, but with the, the nitrox mix, basically they put a higher percentage of oxygen um, and that ensures that there's less nitrogen absorption in the body. Uh, that would lead to uh, a diver being able to stay at various depths for longer periods. So just something um, I wanted to share. So I, I think personally, um, it might be a good idea to totally stop giving uh, nitrox for divers for now uh, until the current situation in Florida improves. However, not everyone will agree with me and that's, that's totally fine. Um, clearly some persons think that it's a better idea to simply adjust the amount of oxygen that you're given and use a, a smaller mix because you can do like 36% and so on based on the, the requirements of the divers. Technical divers would typically need to do totally different mixes that might include helium and so on. But again, that's stuff for another episode coming up and I don't want to give too much away. Um, so that's it for the news. I wanted to bring on that. Uh, another thing, and I probably should have opened with this, I need to apologize because I have not been able to be as consistent and the, the reasons are, are simple. There have been two things going on with me. Number one, I've been volunteering on weekends and any spare time that I have um, at a vaccination site where I assist in, um, well, basically the vaccination process. I don't uh, give injections um, while I am a, a registered phlebotomy technician. Um, and in my country, as a registered phlebotomy technician, you are authorized to administer vaccines. I prefer to focus on communication and assisting with the administration of the site. So I would work directly with the coordinator of the site and various uh, tasks that they need me to help with. And to be honest, I'll do just about anything that I need to do to help with the current situation. I genuinely believe, and this is my belief, that um, vaccination is one of the 
best ways to get us out of the pandemic. It's not a singular solution though. In addition to vaccination, we also need to continue practicing best habits. We need to continue proper sanitizing, uh, avoidance different um, crowds and so on, wearing masks when in public and so on, all those and all, even if you're in a private facility that requires masks, keep the mask on. Um, and of course, keeping your sanitizer handy. I actually have a little bottle right here, just in case. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that has had me busy. I've been pretty busy on weekends with that. The other thing that had me uh, a little bit distracted is, uh, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because of reasons. Uh, two weeks ago, um, one of my dogs, the one that I've had for the longest and probably had the closest relationship with of any animal we've ever owned, um, I had to put him to sleep. Uh, it was something that uh, he's been dealing with for a little while. And when we first uh, saw signs of what was happening with him uh, a couple of years ago, uh, just about two years, um, the vet uh, told us that there's a possibility that he may not be able to um, to survive the required surgery because he may not wake up from the anesthetic because he's already pretty old. Uh, so they gave us like, you know, temporary treatment that we could give the dog to help and uh, try to keep him a little bit better. But um, he fought for as long as he could. And um, two weeks ago, you know, he really wasn't in a good place. So the, um, the family took a decision. We all took a collective decision to, uh, to, to put him to sleep. And um, it's, it is something that um, I, you know, I really can't uh, put into, it's hard to put it into words, like how, how it felt after, because I feel like I lost something, not just a dog. I feel like I lost a family member. And um, there's something inside me, a little bit of a light that is gone. Um, I mean, it'll probably be back, but right now, you know, um, it, yeah, I, it's still, it's still, it's still there. Like that, that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling. Um, so yeah, that, that is something that had me a little bit down and, um, it, you know, it, it just kept me from being able to, to fully commit to recording the episode I wanted to last week. Uh, nevertheless, I was able to um, to communicate with uh, a guest that I, I have um, for today. And uh, he's going to be on in a short while. His name is Alex. Great guy. I've been chatting with him on Twitter for some time. And I want him to tell a bit of his story as a scuba diver and also what else he does in the industry. Because I think it might be, it might be quite interesting. And um, I think you all are going to enjoy his, his little story. So on that note, we're going to take a little bit of a pause and then transition straight into that interview with Alex.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Deep Blue Holder. I'm your host once again, Larry Holder, and I have today a very interesting guest, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his journey in the scuba industry, uh, but also he's going to talk a little bit about his, his recreational path before he became a pro, and he's going to talk about you know, the industry that he specifically works in and tell us a little bit about that. His name is Alex Riquetta, and he'll be joining us from Boston, Massachusetts. Hi, Alex. Hello, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you know, um, thankfully, I live in a country where it's always hot. It's either hot and wet or, or hot and sunny, you know, <laughs> hot and dry, I, hot and wet. That wouldn't be for me. Uh, as you said, I'm, I'm in Boston and it's, it's a lot, lot more temperate and I, I appreciate that variety for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I've, I've never been to Boston. I've been to New York a few times. Um, it's, it's always been on the to-do list. It's, it's just not happened. And, you know, hopefully when things get a little bit better, um, yes, <laughs> yeah, maybe something, something can happen there. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, tell me, Alex, um, what got you into scuba diving? Um, you know, I got to tell you, I've, it's always been something that I've been interested in, uh, from a young age. Um, you know, I got certified in high school. Um, originally, um, up until two months ago, um, I lived in the Midwest, um, originally Rochester, Minnesota, and then for a long while in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, not a huge amount of opportunity to dive. Um, and so, um, I, you know, I got certified in high school. Um, I was very right. much um, a recreational diver. You know, I was uh, diving once every year, once every couple of years, things like that. You know, a few opportunities here and there. Um, I was a young person and not a lot of uh, time, you know, free time on my hands with studying and, and whatnot. Um, in my mid-20s or so, I, I took a job uh, working as a, um, a field service technician for a medical uh, company. That allowed me to, um, to do some travel um, and to kind of experience more of the world, to do some diving in some interesting locations. I did some diving in, um, in the Mediterranean in Italy, and I did nice, some diving nice. in, um, in the Baja Peninsula. Um, so that was and that kind of got me thinking about, you know, the, the wider possibilities of the world, what I could be doing with my life, what I could be doing with my career. Um, I went back to school. Um, I got a degree in electrical engineering. Um, and uh, I graduated about 18 months ago. And now uh, I just recently moved to Boston to work for uh, this company, Anovacy, uh, which does fish farming. Um, and so I guess I, uh, I've been moving towards this professional direction for a while. And this is just kind of the, the next step. Oh, nice, nice. It's it's pretty interesting. Uh, and um, first, let me just say congratulations on, on graduating. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, I, I know um, it's, you know, it's interesting because we're, we're in a field where I uh, guess a certain amount of academics that go kind of parallel to what we need to learn on, on the practical side. And yes, yeah, it, it, it seems like you've been able to, uh, to use the term, to, to marry both elements where uh, you have something that makes use of your, your your academic knowledge, but also the practical knowledge that you've gained from diving. Yeah, you know I, that that's something that that has been a recent goal of mine is to you know marry my engineering skill with my with my kind of love of diving and and I think that at least at Anovacy, I'm that's that's a really good next step for me. And you know I, I heard you talking on on one of your previous podcasts I think with uh, was it Rossio I don't yeah, recall how yeah. to pronounce your name Rossio and and. You, you, you got a little bit into talking about, about this as well. And, and, you know, I just wanted to, to add to that. And I think that, that, you know, whether it's 
engineering or marketing or the business side or the you know teaching and personal side, you know, you want to have that other skill. There's always there's always going to be you know there's going to be there's going to be a tons of people that want to dive out there. And if I think if you at least at least what from what I've gathered from everybody that I've talked to, if you really want to be a dive professional, um, having another skill that you marry with that is is a way to really really make it happen and really make yourself. Um, attractive to as a person um, uh, to people who own businesses and to people who are looking for employees. And I completely agree with you. And I think uh, one of the other guests I had, uh, Mark, um, so he's in the financial sector, uh, but he works in the financial department of yeah. a scuba company. Uh, yeah. So it makes sense, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we had to, um, you know, I, I worked at a shop in Wisconsin for uh, 18 months, two years before I left. And we, you know, that's a, that's a need that shops have. There aren't a lot of people that scuba dive and do finance stuff. And so we had to go yeah. and hire, hire uh, an independent um, finance person. And if there was somebody that was interested in working at the shop that had that skill, you know, they would have been, they would have been in the door, you know, th the next day. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I, I think, yeah, you, you got to really think about what your skills are and, and how you can how you can make them work in, in that sort of business setting with, with what you want to do. Correct. And like for myself, uh, personally, I, um, I, I'm into uh, public relations, marketing and human resource management. So for me, um, I'm looking at, you know, digital marketing and content creation. And I'm just trying to, to make use of, of that and some of the things that I've learned over the past few years. Uh, and just just married with an industry that I've only recently gotten into, uh, but I love I love taking yes. those breaths under the water. I love looking out and seeing the bubbles go up, and you know that, that it's it's poor reason when I think about like the first time you see a new creature beneath the sea that you can identify. Like I remember that yeah. first French angelfish. I remember that first stingray. I remember that first green sea turtle. Like it's, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. When you can, when you can accomplish something, when you, when you add that element of challenge of being under the water um, and that, that element of, of being, you know, um, away from where you, what, what your usual experience is, and then you're still able to do, to do something. If you're still able to um, identify a fish, if you're still able to, you know, um, do some underwater navigation and, and, you know, you do some, you do, you, you swim for a little bit, you do some turns, you swim for a little bit more and you come back where you started. And yeah. that, that's, a, that's a great feeling, you know, it's a great feeling to, to challenge yourself. Um, and then, and then meet that challenge, in, you know, in a way that you, you know, worked on and practiced and trained, whether that yeah. be scuba diving or, or any hobby. Correct. Correct. And I have this, um, I have a couple of dive buddies uh, who work in different fields and, uh, one of them in his in his free time, he's always either on the water or in the water. So he fishes, but he also dives. And uh, yeah. he has a colleague who another another dive buddy of his who works in our local Institute of Marine Affairs. And um, some of the fishes that he caught in our sister island, Tobago, uh, she wanted to just like catalog the, the DNA and so on because. These are fishes that fishermen in our country, we know that they are here in our waters, but it's not officially cataloged uh, anywhere. So, you know, um, I went over to help out with, uh, with uh, cleaning some fish and we had some, um, there's one called a barrel fish uh, that's normally between like 600 to 1,000 feet. Uh, 
and a, a glass eyed snapper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I looked on and I realized that I want to learn how to fillet fish properly because I was looking at how neatly this guy was doing this. And I'm like, this is an art form. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I definitely want to get to, to know some more about that. Uh, so you mentioned um, the company that you work with. Is it in, in Innovacy? So, so could you say the name again, please? Uh, it's it's Innovacy. Uh-huh. Um, so Innovation and C, I guess, put them together. All right, cool. And uh, t- tell yeah. me a little bit about the company, please. So we, we make fish farm technology. Um, you know, so fish farms... Um, up to up to this point, you know, they require uh, a lot of supervision from humans. You know, you have to uh, monitor your fish. You have to mo- make sure your fish stocks are healthy. You have to make sure that they're fed. And when you're feeding them, you have to make sure that you don't feed them too much because that will pollute the surrounding area that that can make the fish sick, all of this sort of thing. Um, so it's a very, you know, it's a very labor intensive, very involved uh, enterprise to farm fish. Right. Um, and what we do is we are developing technology to uh, make that easier, to make it easier to, to, to farm fish um, in a in a sustainable and, and repeatable way. You know, that's one of the big one of the big things that we talk about in our company is, is you know, everybody is everybody has is like you and me. Everybody has some sort of affiliation or love of, of the ocean and the environment. And that's you know, that's why they're there, yeah. um, because we as a company understand, you know, it's our mission to develop these technologies to, 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 to do this farming in a sustainable way, such that, you know, when there is less pressure on natural fish stocks, such that they can be replenished and allowed to flourish, um, as opposed to, you know, uh, harvesting them, harvesting them down too far. Right. And I guess that's, that's really um, pretty important information, especially where you spoke about um, monitoring the health of the fish, making sure the stock is good, and of course, making sure they're fed properly and by feeding properly, not overfed nor underfed. Uh, because exactly. we, I mean, um, and you know, I mean, I, I, like, I like to look at a lot of different uh, documentaries and I think that they do serve a purpose, but I don't think that they always give the entire and proper context of a story, but exactly to, what I would say. Context, yeah, yes, to, to someone who is looking on on it, um, I think there's a the it's important for the person looking on to take the initiative now and start looking into it some more. Um, I mean, recently yes. I looked at this one, uh, pretty popular sea sea spiracy, and um, yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, and it was good. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the the content for the most part. They spoke about um. Uh, commercial fishing, overfishing, and they even went into some stuff on fish farms. And they mentioned something about fish farms and like uh, fishes getting sick in some of the fish farms in certain parts of the world and so on. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if I'm selling chickens and my chickens are getting sick, it's going to be harder for me to sell my chickens. Sure. Similarly, if I'm selling cows, my cows are getting sick, it's harder for me to sell my cows. So it's in my best interest to ensure that my cows or my chickens are healthy. So similarly, I think it applies to fish. If it is I'm farming fish and my fish aren't healthy, I'm going to make sure my fish are better so that <laughs> yes. I, I could sell them because that means in the long run, no profit for the company, right? 
so I certainly, I certainly agree. You know, um, I do think there's a spectrum. You know, I, I think that, you know, every every company out there that's that's selling, you know, like you say, selling fish, selling chickens, selling cows. You know, they are trying to make a profit, and so, you know, I, I think that does lead to certain incentives. I think that that, for example, that can lead to to cutting corners with certain things. And I and I think you're right. You know, the they these companies do not want to, they want to, they want to find the right corners to cut. Does that, if that makes any sense. Um, And so that's, that's kind of where we come in. You know, we provide a lot of, a lot of data, a lot of vision. Um, For for example, one of the big projects we're working on is we have, we have, um, if you've ever seen like a, 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 like a a monster drink, right. It's about that size. It's a, it's a camera. It's about that size in a canister. You can throw it underwater and plug it in. And we're, we are, working on, you know, outfitting all of these pens with these cameras that, that can uh, send the video signal to the surface and be monitored and, and, and be monitored remotely. Right. Um, and that gives, you know, that gives the company a, a or the, the, the minders of the fish farm, a huge ability to, you know, do things like prevent illness and prevent over underfeeding and, and to, to, to see to the fish without necessarily having people physically there all the time. So it, 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 it allows, you know, it, like I said, it allows that, that, that corner to kind of be cut in a, in a relatively safe way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I mean, I guess by nature, um, when we hear cutting corners, we automatically think, uh, negative, um, right. You know, but sometimes it's simply because you want to get to the end goal in a faster method, not necessarily an unsafe method or an unethical and unethical. Certainly method. not. We just want to get there faster. And uh, I think that, you know, sometimes the meaning that we put into different terms and the context tends to, it varies based on who is sending the message and who's receiving it. And that's, and that's what I meant when I said, you know, that, that there's a, there's a tension between these two things, you know, obviously, you know, everybody, everybody wants to cut costs, you know, if we're a farmer, we want to cut costs. We don't want to spend a bunch of money on unnecessary labor or a bunch of money on unnecessary feed to overfeed right. your fish. Because yeah. what that means is, you know, at the very, you know, even even not talking about profits, if we spend too much on making the food, that means that people aren't going to be able to eat it. That's and that's also Correct. a concern. You it's know, be I eat, you know, expensive. Yeah, and then that's also one of the things that that drew me to Innovacy is just the idea of you know getting creative while providing food to people. You yeah. know, we're going to have a lot of challenges going forward with the way that the way that the world climate is changing. And oh yeah, you know. The ability to um, farm fish in any area of the ocean, open ocean fish farming, as opposed to just a limited amount of area uh, near ports, uh, near human population centers, that, yeah. that, that would be a huge game changer in terms of providing a large amount of protein to the human population that is going to be necessary as, as we continue to grow as a, as a species. Well, correct, correct. And I think that um, one of the things that people need to keep in mind is that when it is here, some people talk about uh, stop buying fish because it's, you know, it's, um, it's contributing to all these other factors. I think what the message and what the narrative should be is be mindful of where you're buying your fish from. Um, yes. And you're not going to be able to always check. Um, you know, <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, for example, when it comes to like tuna, uh, canned tuna. Uh, we know that a lot of this is from trawlers and so on, which, you know, based on 
uh, where you are, it may or may not be the only option for getting, you know, to, to catch any fish. Uh, but if it is, I would just say, look, I, I want to stop supporting that industry. Um, okay, great. But there may come a time where I am so hungry and that's the only thing I have in the cupboard. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to eat that tuna in that can at that point. Uh, now, luckily for me, I live uh, relatively close to a fishing village. Uh, so I'm able to go down to a fishing depot on the weekends yes. very early in the morning. And I can see what these guys caught. I can see freshly caught. Uh, there's one we call Mahi Mahi. Um, it's locally, some people call it dolphin fish. Um, I have, it, it confuses me when they call it that. It's not a dolphin, but, you know, I, I know what they mean when they call it that. Uh, very tasty. Uh, there's also uh, the vermilion, vermilion snapper, pretty tasty as well. Or oh, amberjack, love those. Um, and of course, you know, if we could get, if we could get a lobster now and then, <laughs> why not, yes. right? Yeah. So, yes, yes. Now, you all did, uh, you, all, you said that you do uh, fish tracking as well, right? Um, yes, they do. I, I, so I'm, I am less involved in the fish tracking, but I know that we do, um, we also do fish tracking technology. Um, I know that we've worked with um, the New England Aquarium in Boston yeah. um, to, to help them with some of their fish tracking um, technology. Again, I, that's a little bit, that's a little bit not my, uh, not my department. Understood, understood. <laughs> well, yeah, we wouldn't bother to get into that because it, that would be a little unfair to you on that. Um, yeah, so tell me something. Tell me about the last time you dived for work. Last time I dived for work? Um, the last time I dived for work was um, before I left Wisconsin. Uh, so this mm -hmm. was about six or seven months ago. Um, I, I did a dive with the shop that I was with, Diversion Scuba, uh, and we did uh, ice diving training, Ooh. which was a heck, of a heck of an interesting experience. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a gorgeous day. Um, it, it was uh, it was very nice because the the surface temperature was about um, in the in the low fifties. Um, so very very end of the, very much end of the winter um, end of the winter season. Um, but you know enough to uh, enough to still have a very safe uh, thick sheet of ice that we uh, took some chainsaws and cut through and uh, run some dry suits and jumped in. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds exciting. Um... You know, I, I've often thought about it, and I think like one of the certifications that I may decide to do at some point is dry suit, just because it's one of those that you, you kind of need if you plan on ever doing it. I would, I would absolutely agree. You know, I think that that beyond uh, the advanced open water, I think yeah, probably dry suit um, is one of the two that I would certainly recommend. Uh, dry suit and uh, nitrox are the two that, yeah. I, that I think that are pretty essential. Correct. And I, I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, for me, um, I'm probably not going to do dry suit anytime soon, simply because uh, where I am uh, right if now. If you live where you live, you know, I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last few times I died, I was in a rash garden shorts. So yeah. uh, that was like about 30 feet of water or so. Um, I mean, if I go a little bit, if I'm planning going deeper, I'll go with a full wetsuit. Um, sure. Yeah, but I was just lazy on those couple days and felt like Rashgad is fine, and you know, it's, I, I, no, it's it's really nice to be to to not be constricted by a thick suit or gear, yeah. um, especially you know when you're when you're on the surface getting geared up when you don't have to worry about 
sweating in your in your suit while you're waiting for people. It's 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 really nice to be able to have that privilege from time to time. Correct. Uh, now tell me something. When was the last time you died for fun? Last time I died for fun, that was I believe two weeks ago. Um, we've so we just as I you know as we were talking about earlier, we just moved here about two months ago. We were yeah. doing a bunch of unpacking, um, but we have had a couple of opportunities to do some local shore diving uh, in Boston. Um, we get up to the to the Gloucester area um, up in up near Cape Ann. Um, the first place we went was Folly Cove, uh, and the second place we went was Pebble Beach. So we got a couple of dives in over the last few weeks. Um, just you know, uh, uh, getting into the uh, gearing up on the rocks, and then and then uh, wading into the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, what type of exposure protection you needed for those? Um, needed you can you can absolutely get away with um, get away with a wetsuit. Um, my partner um, is has a seven millimeter. I believe it's a bear wetsuit, one yeah. of the newer ones, which is it's a seven mil, but they say it heats like a nine. Um, it's she loves it. Um, I have a, a DUI dry suit that I um, that I got when I was at the shop just because I plan, you know, plan on doing a lot of diving in the Midwest and, and Boston is no different. You just kind of have to have a dry suit um, to yeah. extend your season, <laughs> you know, yeah. past uh, past having just a couple months. I get you. Now, tell me something in terms of marine animals. What's your absolute favorite? Like that one that you just like, it, it, whether it fascinates you or amazes you, what is it? I think it's any type of ray, I think, fascinates me uh, because th their method of propulsion, you know, I, I, I studied physics for my first degree. Right. And their, their method of propulsion uh, makes no sense to me. Uh, you know, they, they just do the little thin, wavy thing at the um, around their, their kind of their, yeah. their outer edges and back. And, and that just gets them anywhere. And it's, it's just it's uh, mystifying. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it is. I, 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 I can completely understand that. Like, um, uh, I saw a video recently. Uh, so at the moment, we're not allowed uh, in the waters because of COVID. Um, sure. Yeah, beaches are closed, which, um, uh. and it's supposed to get better once our vaccination numbers here, you know, get a little bit higher. Um, fingers crossed it should happen soon. Yeah. Yeah, um, hope so. Yeah, but the Institute of Marine Affairs, they had to go do some work uh, measuring coral growth and looking at for spawning and so on. And um, they posted a nice video of uh, a mandarin at about uh, 20, between 20 and 30 feet of water. And this guy is just gliding, enjoying life. And it's, they, 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 are, they are pretty amazing creatures. Yeah. 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 I um I, I mean the first uh, ray I saw the first stingray um actually had no tail. Wow. Yeah. Now I don't know if it was because someone tried to catch it, or if it lost it in a fight with another fish or something. Uh, but it huh. was strange. Yeah. Wow. That's uh yeah I, I that's like uh, that's like finding a four leaf clover. Yeah. It's it's it was and you know the funny thing is. One of the funny sad thing, because I was so new at the time and, you know, going under the water, I didn't want to focus on taking pictures. I'm like, I need to make <laughs> sure I don't mess up. <laughs> I, I understand that impulse. I understand that impulse a lot. It's very easy to, to get overwhelmed. Yeah. I appreciate that more and more as I do this more and more. <laughs> right? Yeah, for real. Uh, and, um, you know, yeah, so that was the first time I saw it. Um, it was just, it was something. For me, my favorite marine animal remains the, 
the, the more and more, the more I think about it, it's the leatherback turtle. Um, oh, prim- yeah. Yeah, primarily because they, they come to our shores every year. Um, um, they are endangered. And um, it's nice to see that we have some local conservation efforts taking place. Um, oh, yes. Yes, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, we have volunteers that would be basically doing turtle patrol in the middle of the night, um, <laughs> marking where the different turtles will come up to do their nesting and so on. And they would sometimes place uh, tracking devices on the turtles so you can monitor sure. the, the, the migratory patterns. I, I just think they're fascinating. Just yeah, absolutely. something else. Hey, I totally agree. Yeah. So, so tell me something in terms of your, uh, your dive bucket list. If you can tell me three areas that you're thinking about in like, let's say the next five years or so that you definitely need to go diving. What would those three areas be? All right, all right. Um, I will tell you that um, myself and my partner, top of our list is uh, Southeast Asia, uh, you know, Thailand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, think that's, I think that's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. That's, that's one of the more famous uh, locations. Um, myself, I'd like to go to Iceland. I'd like, to, I'd love to see the, the Silfra Fisher. I think that the, um, yes. you see a lot of, a lot of wonderful pictures. I, I, you know, I really love geological formations. I think those are very cool. Um, and then at my, I don't know about within, this isn't really within five years, but my bucket list is I would love, 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 uh, to dive in Antarctica. I would love to, Ooh. um, I, I, you know, it's a kind of a professional bucket list goal. Um, to, 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 you know, work at McMurdo station, um, to, to dive with the, the, the Antarctic divers down there. I think that would be, uh, that would be a pretty, a pretty cool, a pretty cool job to have. I got to tell right. you. Right. And I had to laugh because one of my favorite movies is the thing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to have like a jacket that says McMurdo <laughs> station on it. Right. That's <laughs> Yeah, I love I love that thing. Uh, I, I'm a little more partial to They Live, uh, but I do love I love both of those movies. I, I yeah, it, it just fantastic, fantastic, fantastic choice. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like that's absolute uh, vintage. That's that's just that the sweet spot for horror. Like yes, yes. Yeah. When practical not, effects totally ruled. Yeah, you know I'm not I'm not usually uh, a horror movie fan. Uh, that's that's much more in my partner's wheelhouse. But but the thing is is absolutely a classic and absolutely one that I can absolutely totally appreciate. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned Southeast Asia, so yes, you would not believe this. I've been to the Philippines twice. Yeah. Never died. <sighs> that's 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 unfortunate. But yeah. I hope you at least you know, I hope you at least did snork did some snorkeling, got in the water. Or... I um I did some uh, jet skiing, uh, and I also did um some parasailing. Uh, it was amazing. I was uh, uh on this island called Boracay, and Boracay is like that's a unique island um, for me anyway. Uh, in the daytime, yeah. it's just like resort activities, and in nighttime, everything turned into like a bar or nightclub. Um, <laughs> some interesting characters. Uh, imagine. Yeah, um, but very cheap alcohol and very cheap food. You know, <laughs> always a good thing. Uh, yeah, you can't complain about that. Yeah, at the time, I was not yet scuba certified, but I had enough time to do the certification there. I just, I don't know. I was, this was back when uh, I kept allowing myself to, to be delayed and thinking, oh no, I need to wait for my friends to do it with me. Um, spoiler warning, and I, I stopped waiting for them. 
You know, I, I totally, I totally understand. You know, I, I think about that, that type of thing when I think about, um, you know, my journey, my career, all of this, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, you know, it, 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 I graduated with my first degree, uh, man, 15 years ago, just about. Right. Um, so I, it was 13. So it was 2008. And I, you know, if I'm thinking about it, 13 years, if I knew where I was going at the beginning, 13 years, I could have gotten a lot, a lot farther than I am right now. That's, but, that's true. But, you know, the thing I keep trying to tell myself and the thing that I try to, you know, Kate tells me and keeps me grounded is that, you know, you, you, you can't just, you can't just skip to the end. You know, you, you have to, you have to figure yourself out. You have to do all those things in the middle. You have to live your life figuring out the answer to that question. You know, if it's, if it's, I, you know, I want to work in scuba diving or I want to be, um, I don't know, uh, a lawyer or I want to be whatever you want to be, you know, figuring that out is, is that's the question. And if you figure it out, you know, when you're 20, great. If you figure it out at 35, great. If you figure it out much later in life, great. Yeah. You know, um, that's, but you got to get there, you know, and, sure. and you can't, you just can't shortcut. That's unfortunate, but it's life. <laughs> I think something, I mean, I get if we could summarize that, we could probably say the journey is the destination. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So if, for my bucket list, I would say um, uh, Australia. Yes. I mean, not necessarily, not just like Great Barrier Reef, because I think there's a few other places in Australia I would love to look at. Um, uh, Galapagos. Hard to get to, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> you know, that's that's another place I had the opportunity to go to. I did not. Uh, but ah, one, of okay. my, one of my closest friends, uh, she, she she's a teacher. And um, she teaches English as a foreign language in different parts of the world. And she actually studied in Galapagos. Uh, interestingly enough, when she tells people, when she told some people that she studies in, um, in the Galapagos, the first question they ask is, what were you studying evolution? Um, yeah. but you know um, I've seen some of the pictures from when she went snorkeling and so on and heard some of the stories wow I, I would love to be there and third one uh, just because I've been there and I didn't do it I want to go back to the Philippines and dive this time oh yeah absolutely yeah whether it be Cebu, Boracay, Palawan it, it does not matter yeah I, from what I've heard you can just kind of throw a dart at the map and if you you know wherever you land you just yeah Correct. So, you know, uh, Alex, thanks a lot for this little chat that we had. I think it was it's been awesome. Yeah, this was this was quite informative. And um, at some point, I will want to chat with you again, um, just to talk a little bit more about um, specifically ice diving and dry suits. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, if you give me if you give me a couple more months, uh, I will have a little bit a lot more a little to a lot more to say about fish farms. Um, we are planning on doing some, you know, obviously COVID has, has, has held everything up, but, you know, we're, we're doing a push for a pretty major uh, installation uh, in the next two months or so, yeah. um, which will involve me taking a trip and doing some diving and, and, and seeing a lot of sites. And so, yeah, we, maybe we can reconnect and, and I'll have some, some more interesting things to tell you. I'm looking forward to hearing about it, man. Looking forward. You know, you just... You just hit me up on Twitter whenever that time comes and absolutely we can take it from there. Absolutely. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. 
Uh, thanks, Alex. And thanks for, you know, for supporting me on this lovely initiative. Thanks for having me on this. Like I said, great, great talk. And I'm glad to, glad to share what I have with you. Okay, Alex. Thanks a lot for being on the show. And um, we'll be in touch with you later on. All right. Have a great night. You too, man.